0: When countries sort of say, and we had the Americans in here in the cabinet office yesterday talking to us about, you know, what is it with the UK government communications? Lots of people ask your advice, why? I said, well, look, I hope respectful and humble in the way that people ask us for advice, we offer it. I think that communication rules are global, but their application is always local, and you would do it differently in Jakarta and Sydney to Manchester or Berlin. When it was inevitable um, uh, that the Russians were set to invade, then we set up uh, what we call the government information cell. This was to bring together all the specialists that you need to deliver modern, high volume communications into one place so we could have a fast, coordinated and effective UK government communications uh, response. Welcome
1: to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to GovComs, a podcast about communication and engagement in government and the public sector. My name is David Pembroke, and thanks for joining me. So, our From the Vault series is over and a big thanks to you, the audience, and for all the talent who stayed with us over the last four or five months as we presented you the best from our archives. And for me, the most striking insight was that the basics are the basics, are the basics and they don't change. Clear planning, good objectives, strong insights about the audience. When you create content, make sure it's accessible, it's interesting, and it's in plain English. Regular engagement in multi-channels. And at the same time, make sure those channels are what's preferred by that audience. And measure, 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 and evaluate. Test and learn, and on you move. But it is a new day and it is a new year and it's time to fire up the afterburners as we continue our exploration of the growing importance and pressing work and need for government communicators all over the world. But before we say goodbye to the past, I'd just like to take a moment to reflect about this GovComs podcast. The first episode went to air on the 17th of February, 2015, almost nine years ago. Originally, it was titled In Transition with the very simple purpose to start a global conversation about government communication, to share best practice and lessons learned, raise the profile of the profession, talk skills and frameworks and ultimately to create and unite the community of government communicators all over the world. Now, since 2015, we have published 317 episodes of the program, and can I say I look forward to the next 317 and possibly the next 317 after that, because we're never going to run out of things to talk about as we collectively pursue this mission to improve the capability and the capacity of government to explain policy, program, services and regulation. Interestingly, the World Economic Forum's theme this year was rebuilding trust. Now, there is no more important task for government communicators as we see the reputation and effective operation of our democratic institutions systems and indeed the international rules-based order under challenge like never before the power of ai technologies the active and ever-present threat of miss and disinformation from bad actors and the red-hot competition with everybody for a share of a person's most valuable asset which is is their time and attention. But what all that adds up to for government communicators is that we have to continue to get better at what we do. So as we kick off this next chapter of GovComs, you win no prizes for guessing our first guest for this year. It is Alex Aiken, the Executive Director of the UK Government's Communication, who today carries responsibility for security, international and Cabinet Office communication. And he was the head of profession in the UK from 2013 to 2021. And he has been, in my opinion, the architect and leader of the global government communications community. He and his team over the year have generously designed and shared best practice education and frameworks with communicators all over the world. They have mentored hundreds of talented individuals and they have matured the global GovComs profession. And it is fair to say that when Alex visited Canberra in May of 2017, he got a rock star's welcome. Australia had not seen as much commotion from a visiting Englishman since the Beatles visited our shores in 1964. So please, everyone, a warm, very warm GovComs welcome to the Harry Styles of Global Government Communication, Mr. Alex. Aiken, Alex, welcome back to GovComs,
0: David. That's that's far too generous. I'm a public servant, and I'm here to serve. And I love um, uh, working with you, and indeed with the Australian colleagues I've met in London and that brilliant trip that you organised for me for, to Canberra and, and and Sydney back in I think it was 2017. It was. So it's an absolute pleasure to be back a, again.
1: But listen, you have led the way, and let's not, you know, I know you are a humble public servant, and I think that's sort of part of the integrity of the what what you bring, but. You've always been an educator and you've always been so generous and willing to share, but it has been important, hasn't it, to get the message out, to get the frameworks out, to get the processes out, to get the skills out, to really build capability in what is just a critical area of government operation.
0: Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned the OECD, sorry, you mentioned the World um, uh, Forum at Davos, and the report that was published by Edelman about trust and of course that is always an important bellwether uh, in terms of uh, how institutions uh, stand in the eyes of their publics. I think it was particularly interesting this year that they did some really good analysis that says if you are transparent, if you explain, if you listen to your stakeholders, if you communicate, then generally innovations, technological change which we're all faced with will be more accepted by the public. So again, that strengthens uh, the message for public service communicators and others about communication is both a two-way process. It's listening and uh, responding as well as uh, speaking and uh, working out from your audience what worries them and addressing those concerns in an age which is um, unfortunately fraught with um, a contest and challenge is so important. And reflecting on the journey from 2015, I mean, we've, well, it was pre-Donald uh, Trump, uh, uh, the UK was still in the uh, uh, European uh, Union, we didn't have the dreadful conflict we have on the eastern uh, part of the European uh, continent, and perhaps China was seen as a more benign uh, state uh, than perhaps it's um, uh, seen today. So a bit of a roller coaster since um, 2015 on the podcast, um, uh, David.
1: No, certainly. And lots has changed. And I really do want to sort of dig into some of that and get to some of your observations as to what's changed, but indeed what is going to change and how people can prepare themselves to be more effective. But we, you also mentioned there, and I think it's a huge step forward for government communication, and that is the involvement of the OECD mm. um, and the open government area there at the OECD. The fact that it's now recognised that government communication is an essential practice uh, for strengthening uh, government. Uh, you're heavily involved in that. Um, would you agree with me that their involvement is important and it is helping to uh, lift the profile of, of communication? I think their leadership
0: is important. I think their expertise is vital. I think our involvement and transparency is the key to success. So one of the things uh, that the OECD asked us to do was uh, submit UK government communications to a what they call a country scan. What they really mean is an audit of UK government communications and the report will be published uh, next month, uh, early in uh, February. Now, that takes a degree of courage because they will tell you things you're good at and you can say, well, that's lovely, isn't it, and, and so on, <laughs> and you bank that. But they also, in their report, will make some uh, reasoned but trenchant criticisms of the way we operate the things we could do better how our governance uh, operates and so on but it 's only by listening to peer review by expert advice and I hope that colleagues I suspect that colleagues in Australia and around the world have learned from this uh, govcoms uh, podcast but it 's only by learning and to a certain extent exposing your frailties that we can get better when is that going to be published? Well, it's um, around uh, the 8th of February. I'm not sure how they uh, publish it, but um, uh, certainly from the UK government perspective, we strongly believe in transparency, and I suspect the um, uh, scan will be published, and I hope that will encourage other governments to do so. And look, that's a big example. The OECD, this club of of, of, um, uh, democratic um, uh, market economies, uh, publishing a report. But One of the things that we've done successfully in the UK is the capability reviews of government um, uh, departments and agencies that looks at their strategy, their operations, their resourcing and the level of their skills and says look this is where you are, this is where you could be against the standards we um, set, can you put together an action plan and we'll help you to uh, improve. And that focus on continuous improvement and peer review and challenge. The fact there is a profession government communicators uh, is so, so important for continuing to improve our practice in a world where some of the things I'm sure we'll talk about from AI to more traditional um, uh, disinformation uh, threaten our democracies.
1: Mm. Just, before we move on from the OECD, it's also been encouraging, hasn't it, that they've now Uh, established that expert panel on public sector communication and they're uh, convening global conversations around things like climate change communication. But again, I just think the more that we can get people talking, the more we can get people engaged, the more people can learn, the the more people will continuously improve.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. I mean, we have a very strong relationship with our Australian uh, colleagues, but going to the OECD and talking to, for instance, to the Indonesian delegation about how they approached COVID and sharing our experience with them. And it's not just about the particular trials of the pandemic. It was also about how they do communications and far more, in a sense, community focused and far more interactive uh, communications than perhaps the UK does. And we could learn from the Indonesians as we can learn from the Australians and lots of other nations.
1: Mm. Yeah, so I think we need, do need to draw as much attention to that to to the work of the OECD Open Government Unit and the work that they're doing around communication. And indeed, again, congratulations to the UK for having the courage to say, OK, come in and have a look around and tell us what you think, because there'll be so much learning, I know, for everybody uh, around the world. Now, listen, you have... Uh, Interesting responsibilities at the moment that you're no longer the head of profession, but you still carry responsibility for security, for international, and also for cabinet office communication. So, how has that changed the world and the life and the daily operations of Alex Aiken?
0: So, what I hoped um, uh, when I stood down as head of profession in 2021 that I'd focus on international and security um, uh, issues, and we have a very effective. Operation the UK Government, the Government Communications Service International, which has worked with over 50 allied uh, states around the world to improve their communications capability. Did and you say 50, 50. Yeah, 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 from Fiji wow. and, uh, through to uh, Ghana through to Latvia, where I'm uh, going next week.
1: Wow, that's fabulous. Congratulations. Anyway, go on. I interrupted yeah. you.
0: So that's what I wanted to focus on. Um, uh, uh, The the world had um, had different ideas and I was um, reflecting on what you said, uh, David, about at the start of this podcast about getting the uh, basics uh, right. And I thought, yes, that is absolutely um, uh, correct. And teaching the basics and the doctrines, uh, things like our OAS. When when countries sort of say, and uh, we had the Americans uh, in here in the cabinet office yesterday talking to us about, you know, what is it with the UK government communications? Lots of people ask your advice, why? I said, well, look, we, 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 we're, we I hope, respectful and humble in the way that people ask us for advice, we offer it. I think that communication rules are global, but their application is always local and you would do it differently in Jakarta and Sydney to Manchester or Berlin, um, but there are some uh, global rules. And I said, look, I think what the UK government can offer is a thing you've mentioned, that absolute focus on capability, we obsess about the why communication uh, works. So, for instance, we're doing uh, work on um, uh, building an AI, uh, and a, well, a, a large language model, essentially, to bring together all our communication expertise so capability. Second um, uh, is unity. I, yesterday, I chaired the um, uh, group of national security communication directors and you have all the security agencies and the mainline departments. And we do genuinely work together and third is our campaign uh, approach we describe that as oasis for colleagues who are not familiar with that oasis is the monomic that says every communications activity is essentially a campaign because it needs a clear objective you need to understand the audience in granular terms you need a strategy bringing together the ends ways and means implementation is the eye of oasis that's where poor communication usually starts and finishes And S is for scoring. And again, you mentioned evaluation in your uh, introduction. David, there are two types of um, uh, communication in the world. There's OASIS, which is planned, executed and evaluated. And then there's SOS communications, (laughs) sending out stuff. And I guess these last 12 years, I've been on a bit of a mission to turn us from SOS to uh, OASIS.
1: And you're continuing also the, the, uh, the, the modern operating model that you, you introduced there and also new framework. Uh, pitch is a, a new framework that you, you're uh, working on. Can you give us a bit of background as to where that's come from and what you're thinking is about um, putting another mnemonic in place to, to help people to think very simply and clearly about the way they organize their communication?
0: Yeah. Um- Recently, I um, uh, had professional development conversations with the 40 uh, members of the Cabinet Office communications team. It's one of those meetings, you know, you've got to go see your boss and he's going to say, what do you want to achieve in your uh, uh, career? a bit like going to the dentist, but I hope um, uh, equally as um, uh, productive. And you've got some great colleagues who really want to understand digital. and What can we do to utilise AI as a force uh, for, 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 for good? How do I get on? How do I progress? What does leadership look like? And those inspiring um, uh, colleagues to uh, work with, one or two people will say, all I ever want to do is to be a press officer. And I think that is a noble calling. I was inspired by the great late Sir Bernard Ingham, uh, Margaret Thatcher's uh, press uh, uh, secretary and his biography, Kill the Messenger, still has lots of messages for today. But just to aspire to be a press officer in a digital, artificially intelligent disinformation-threatened world will not suffice if you want to progress in your um, uh, career. So partly what drives us is a determination that we are going to remain ahead of the growth of technology, the power of communication, this global network of editors on X or on uh, Meta or YouTube or or, or whatever. So... um, uh, to to summarise, we have a communication standard and you can read these documents on the GCS uh, website. If you Google GCS, you'll get the Glasgow Coma Scale. And underneath <laughs> that, you'll get the UK Government Communications <laughs> Service. But we have a standard. We have an operating model, the modern communications operating model. And OASIS is uh, part of that. And there are a whole series of doctrines. Our uh, latest um, uh, uh, doctrine, you can also find on the uh, GCS uh, website. Um, it's called uh, Pitch. There it is. As the um, uh, uh, hard copy document, we still do hard copy documents. Um, look, there's a bit of communications magic, I hope, in the idea of Pitch, because like Oasis, it's a way of saying to people, "Look, think." So, Pitch is designed to help policymakers, ambassadors, and communicators understand the full range of tools they can deploy in international information operations, public diplomacy, I think the Americans uh, would call it. And it says before you leap in, before you try and communicate with an audience who may not share your culture, some of your values, your beliefs, and will have a different media, just think before you uh, implement. And so PITCH stands for partners, you know, work with um, uh, local partners. I stands for insight, absolutely understand the uh, audience. T um, uh, stands for um, uh, trusted voices. Think in the community about who can best carry and amplify uh, your message. C stands for content, which will remain king. H stands for honesty, because there is a fundamental difference between uh, people in Australia, the UK, and many other countries that I could um, uh, uh, mention, that our communications is uh, conducted on the basis of being truthful well told. It is bound by law in the UK, it is governed by the civil service code for us to be honest and objective and impartial about the um, uh, facts and so on and I think that that truth well told based on honesty is a powerful antidote to um, uh, disinformation. So um, uh, pitches a guide to communicators who work internationally say these are all the tools that you can deploy from the way that the UK has Used um, uh, cricket in, in Pakistan to build relationships the support we gave to the European Political Summit when it was held in, in Moldova, assisting the uh, Moldovan government and, you know, tragically, the lessons that we've learned from the uh, current uh, conflict in uh, Ukraine.
1: Mm. So as we maybe just move into that, and I'm not sure how much you can share with us, because obviously the UK government um, has been very supportive of Ukraine and we do live in this world now of uh, really content marketing in these worlds, whether it's in Gaza, whether it's in Yemen, whether it's in the Ukraine and the battle for the screen. Um, you know the battle for people's time and attention, and being able to place a story somewhere where it is going to uh, engage with people. What what have you learnt um, from your involvement in the Ukraine uh, contest um, that, or the war, that really uh, can help us to understand uh, the role that communication and content plays in information warfare?
0: Yeah. Um, I think we're relearning um, some very old lessons, uh, David. Have you ever been to the Acropolis in, in Greece? I have not. No, i um, well, you, you know what it um, uh, looks. I know. Like, I, know, you ta- I, know I, I know what yeah, you're yeah, talking.
1: Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. I know. I know what you're talking about. But I've not um, been there.
0: Uh, you, you
1: should go. You should go. country. Uh, oh, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a long way. It's a long way from where I am right now. But one day, Alex, I will. Yeah, yeah. And they don't play rugby. Well, they, I
0: think <laughs> probably they do play rugby, but perhaps not. Of course, the they play our, rugby. Our Everyone plays or. rugby. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, so there's a brilliant book called Munitions of the Mind. The um, uh, name of the author escapes me. Uh, and um, uh, one of the points in this book is that the Acropolis, he says, um, uh, well, as the author says, uh, was built as a massive symbol on a hill. Uh, and they cut defence spending and they built the Acropolis to signal to potential attackers that if you come near Athens, we've got this massive fortification on the hill. So you will have a hard time... Uh, to uh, attack us and uh, defeat us, and um, perhaps that was part of the purpose of the um, uh, Acropolis. And information uh, warfare has always been um, uh, with us from the way that you know armies wore red coats or blue coats to signify their de- their intent, and and, and so on. Um, the um, British government reputedly was once responsible for producing half the um, factual documentary output of um, uh, television in Mexico. And what, partly what I'm telling you is a story of the International Research Department, which was a government, a UK government entity that was set up to um, uh, fight disinformation, fight propaganda from the Soviet bloc um, uh, after the Second World War. It roughly operated between the mid 1950s and the uh, early uh, 1980s, and it produced a massive amount of information, television, radio, millions of leaflets, and so on. Of course, you know that closed down um, uh, towards the end of the um, uh, Cold War, and then the um, uh, peace dividend and so on that flowed from that, and those glorious years between um, uh, the um, uh, over the last decade of the 20th century and early into the 21st century. But Russia-Ukraine and the fact that we do sadly live in a more contested and volatile uh, world has led us to rediscover a lot of these operations. So the um, uh, the story of the UK government's response, and look, the the the, the prizes and the accolades um, belong to the Ukrainian um, uh, people, President Zelensky, and very brave Ukrainians on the battlefield, but also their uh, information, their communication staff, who are visiting um, uh, London uh, uh, this week. And again, we will learn from them, and uh, we respect them, which is why when they asked us to host them, we said yes, absolutely. And they'll go and talk to institutions like the BBC and digital media companies. Um, but uh, when it was inevitable um, uh, that the Russians were set to invade, then we set up uh, what we call the government information cell. This was to bring together all the specialists that you need to deliver modern high volume communications into one place so we could have a fast coordinated and effective UK government communications uh, response and this meant, I talked about unity earlier, this meant working with the Foreign Office and the Defence Ministry and other agencies to bring together the data analysts, the behavioural experts, the digital communicators as well as uh, media teams and so on on onto one floor plate. And the magic happens when you get those people from different backgrounds and experiences, soldiers, diplomats, professional uh, communicators coming together with this ambition to support Ukraine in the information war, but also to um, deter disinformation. It is interesting that we didn't see a lot of disinformation uh, from Russia, from the Russian state directed at the UK. That's partly because they know that we are a hard target because of our educated population and our independent uh, uh, media. But nevertheless, we produce content and we explain the war. And I think that one of the, the, the biggest single thing I think I would illustrate um, uh, through this uh, process, of the government information Cell, was that we moved much faster to declassify secret intelligence about what was happening and put it in the public domain to shape the debate, to warn and inform than we had previously done. Uh, during the uh, Salisbury uh, poisoning crisis of 2018, when the Russian state um, uh, poisoned um, uh, citizens in, in, in Britain, it took us 13 days to declassify the intelligence. Um, uh, we've moved from position working you know, with some really professional people in our security agencies where we moved from 13 days to um, uh, a few days in very uh, uh, severe occasions, perhaps even a few hours done safely but an example about government working um, uh, uh, together yeah. um, and I think that um, uh, government information cell was really important at the start of the um, uh, uh, start of the Ukraine war and then that's been mainstreamed into government as a new arm of the um, uh, foreign office the uh, information threats and influence directorate which does what it says on the tin it works for the right information about how the democracies can work together and it also uh, works to um, uh, counter information threats. How big was that cell
1: when it, when it first was stood up in the early days of,
0: of the war? It, it, as, as these things do. I mean, the, the, the practicalities, David, the, the, the finding some office space, an a open plan office space in a, in a relatively uh, secure building, the whiteboards, the computers, the, the digital tech, really, literally it was sort of, two or three people to um, uh, start with, Um, and at at its height it was probably 60. But it it, um, uh, varied um, uh, over that time depending on who we could bring in in an emergency situation, in a really dreadful situation on the 24th of February 2022 an the invasion of a European uh, state and the murder and the uh, rape and the destruction that followed uh, from that caused by President Putin.
1: So listen, just in terms then of, you know, technology and the role of artificial intelligence, obviously concerns about uh, misinformation and disinformation, synthetic media. How are you thinking about that at the moment in terms of understanding um, the potential uh, positive uses, but also the detection perhaps of, uh, you know, fake news and, and other synthetic sources where, you know, people are getting a story that is not in fact true? How how is in fact the the UK government uh, unpicking that problem?
0: Look, I think you talked about brilliant basics, and I think that the absolutely central point is, unless you can tell your story brilliantly, um, uh, you will fall victim to disinformation. Um, on the twenty fourth of February um, uh, two thousand and twenty two, I listened to um, uh, Boris Johnson thinking through the uh, challenges uh, we we, we faced. I remember him sort of mumbling uh, to to, to himself and he then said, hang on, I've got it. Putin must fail. That is our policy. Putin must fail. And that, in a sense, is the story that we told then and a story we're we're telling now. Um, uh, Boris Johnson uh, did have a uh, brilliantly intuitive ability to summarise the story. Get Brexit done. In terms of COVID, stay at home, save lives, protect the um, uh, NHS. Perhaps far more than any politician I've um, uh, uh, ever uh, seen. So that is an example about telling your story um, uh, well. Um, yep. But unless you are able to do that and then build an understanding of the uh, information I- environment, you simply will not uh, succeed. In terms of directly answering your question, then you know, and influenced today by the fact the FT are reporting that. Um, a synthetically created Joe Biden is apparently ringing voters in a state in the United States telling them not to vote in an election and the US legal authorities are now looking at this. There was an intervention in the recent Slovakian election in um, uh, Central Europe where a uh, the leader of the, uh, uh, I think the Liberal Party was, was um, uh, an artificial and inaccurate uh, persona was, was created saying bad things. Keir Starmer, the leader of the opposition in the UK, has been um, a victim of this. So it's very personal um, uh, uh, attacks as well as the general disinformation we've been uh, used to. But um, the uh, way that we are looking at artificial intelligence is to use it as a force for good. And the London summit recently had a whole range of countries around the world looking at the threats but also the opportunities. As the government communications service we are seeking to bring together all the plans, the strategies, the knowledge that we have and create a large language model where we can plug all that in. So we can, as you can do with um, chat GBT, just tap in, can have a communication plan on the economy, on social policy, on uh, foreign policy, and it will bring up the um, uh, knowledge of what's been done before, including the evaluations, what worked and what didn't work, which behavioral interventions were successful or not, and give you a flat plan. I would emphasise that once we get this model created, that is a guide and a first draft of the communications that we will operate. We're really clear in terms of our doctrine and our guidance that it can uh, technology can enable, but then you need the human input to assess, to verify, to add, and finally uh, to uh, uh, sign off. You know, on a more general level, of course, we use um, artificial intelligence. In huge numbers of ways from the um, uh, media assessments that we do I suppose the change from the fact that I used to go into uh, crisis meetings and read out what was in the uh, newspapers and the television headlines now we have really smart technology that will give us volume tone sentiment and source so we understand what's going on I mean that's important during the royal funeral uh, ministers were worried about one article in Daily Telegraph that said the royal funeral was going terribly I said look our analysis of uh, social media TikTok, for example, 13 and a half million people have watched David Beckham, the famous footballer, standing yeah. in the queue and he's praising the organisation. So you can see from that power of data, one newspaper article versus 13 million views on, on, on TikTok, what is actually shaping uh, the public debate. Yeah. So
1: listen, I I want to be uh, respectful of your time. I know you're very busy and, you know, the Ukrainians are in town and I'm sure plenty of other people in town and many more of your 40-person team looking for um, your time to be able to help with them. But just as you sort of think back, you sound energised, you sound enthusiastic, you're as you always are, you know, looking practically at the uh, challenges, opportunities, uh, advice, what advice do you have for young government communicators who are listening in today, understanding the, con- uh, the context of the conversation and the various elements of it? What advice do you have to um, young people today and probably even older people as well? What advice do you have for people to, con- you know, to help them to-, to continuously improve? What are the things that they should be focused on?
0: Never stop learning. Um, I am uh, you know, have the responsibility the privilege of uh, presenting to the most senior ministers in the UK government including the uh, Prime Minister and it's at moments like that I'd like every young communicator you know, around the world um, in public service but particularly in Australia and the UK when you get that moment where you're sitting around the table and you've got to advise the Chief Executive, the Prime Minister the Cabinet Minister, the senior officials on a course of action then that is when all the learning that you've done creates the muscle memory where the advice that you give is credible and evidenced and will lead to action that will improve, enhance sometimes save people's um, uh, lives. Tonight I'm going to a session organized by the Page Society which is the um, uh, group for uh, senior communicators. It's IBM in in London and it's looking at um, uh, quantum physics and artificial intelligence. So I hope that's evidence that I um, uh, never uh, stop uh, learning and another point uh, David I mean thinking about modern communications I try to express it to people in terms of look it's about five um, uh, V's and this is partly inspired by um, our president uh, Zelensky it is visual it is video uh, driven it is always at high uh, volume and that's the way you should deliver your communications but it has to be underpinned by a vision of success what will be different if your um, uh, policy is successful and it must demonstrate the values that we uh, hold and I think that values vision volume visual and, and video is a way that I use to try and frame my thinking about um, uh, modern communications if it hasn't got a picture why we're we doing it if it's not consistent with what, we, um, uh, what we're actually uh, doing, why are we saying it. Um, so I hope those are helpful um, uh, uh, hints and uh, I, uh, ideas. But there are lots of other good ones around there, including from the content group and on the um, uh, GovCom's um, uh, podcast, which I listen to. <laughs> Well, indeed. Indeed.
1: And it's great because it's great conversations with people from all over the world who are really essentially trying to do the same thing, which is to better explain what's going on so people can understand, make up their own opinions about what it is that is being done or not done. But again, if we can take advantage of the technology to be able to create uh, programs that are supported by the five V's. Uh, the pitch framework, the OASIS, the government operating model. And really, I do think in terms of that uh, aspiration and inspiration to continue to learn, a great place to spend a lot of time is the GCS website. So the Government Communication Service in the UK. there is, It's an Aladdin's cave, dare I say, for uh, government communicators and indeed for all communicators, really, because the principles are very much uh, applicable whether it is rugby or whether it is uh you know public policy uh certainly telling a good story uh is really you know at the essence of it all so listen alex thank you so much for being generous with your time thank you for joining us straight off the top of the clock here in 2024 because as i say we're going to keep having these conversations because it's important that we do and share insights from around the world of people who are pursuing um, the activity that we are so uh, thank you very much to you uh, and best wishes to you, the family, and indeed all of your team and the, and the other uh, communicators there in the Government Communications Service who are, are doing such great work. And to you, the audience, thank you for coming back once again. And as I say, from the vault's done. We are now back into it and we have plenty of high quality guests all lined up already uh, for 2024. There is so much to do Uh so many stories to tell, so many interesting things that are happening. So I do hope that you can join us uh, every couple of weeks. Now, there is also another podcast that I'm doing, and we're coming up to 100 episodes of that podcast. And that's really about the Australian public service and really interviewing the influencers and senior leaders inside the Australian public service about what they're trying to achieve in their work. That's called Work With Purpose. So if you'd like to go and subscribe to that, um, it's a great podcast as well. And it's really uh, interesting talking to different people uh, in different parts of government doing the fascinating work uh, that they do in support of Uh, not only the Australian people, but our allies uh, around the world as well. So very grateful for you coming back once again, uh, and thank you. Uh, And if you do like the podcast, a rating or a review always helps because it does help us to be found and to be shared with other government communicators. But to Alex Aiken, a very big thanks to him, a very big thanks to you. We'll be back at the same time in two weeks. My name's David Pembroke, and it's bye for now.